98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Wolf, I just physically wolfed down my lunch during that break to get prepared. Literally. Like a method actor for this segment. Man, that was so good, too. Aaron Maloney is here with today's top stories, as always, Aaron. So the NBA today suspended Phoenix Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver one year after concluding an investigation into allegations he used racist and misogynistic language in the workplace. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski. You know, you read the full report, uh, you see the conduct, uh, again, mirroring, mirroring very much of what Baxter Holmes had reported a year ago. During his suspension, Sarver cannot be present at any NBA or WNBA facility, office area, or practice facility. He cannot attend any league events or represent the Phoenix Suns or Phoenix Mercury in any capacity. He must not be involved in the business operations of the teams. Sarver must complete a training program focused on respect and appropriate conduct in the workplace. Sarver was also fined $10 million, the maximum allowed by the NBA Constitution. So Sarver issued a personal statement today. He said good leadership requires accountability for the Suns and Mercury organizations. That begins with me. While I disagree with some of the particulars of the NBA's report, I would like to apologize for my words and actions that offended our employees. I take full responsibility for what I have done. I am sorry for causing this pain, and these errors in judgment are not consistent with my personal philosophy or my values. You can read that full statement up now at ArizonaSports.com. But guys, I mean, this was a long time coming. What do you guys think about what came down today? Yeah, we knew it was gonna it was gonna probably come out of nowhere at some point. I thought the NBA did a pretty good job of keeping it all under wraps until they actually had their uh, their verdict, I guess, for lack of a better term, until they released their findings. Um, you know, like I said earlier, it's it almost depends how you read the the. The punishment and the findings, like what order you read them in, Wolf, because if you just read the punishment, mm-hmm. wow, okay, yeah, he gets a full year away from his team and $10 million, the max the NBA can find, uh, okay, yeah, that's that's huge. And when you read all the findings and then you read the punishment, that's where I think some people, and I mean, I'm seeing a ton of people on online right now that are like, okay, wait, that should it be more? I mean, I, I, like you said earlier, I don't think we've heard the end of this, but I do like no. that Sarver has just kind of said, okay. You know, I'm trying to get better. I'm going to take responsibility for this, and I'm not going to fight on this. Yeah, you know, honestly, uh, whether you like Robert Sarver or you despise Robert Sarver, um, this this is a situation right now that um, it's just not good. It's not good for him. It's not good for the organization. This is not the kind of information that you want to be vetted by everybody that is out there, yet it will be. And because of it, it's not a great day for the organization overall. But I worry about the guys in the locker room. I wonder what they think about it. So more on that as the show continues. But the fallout also continues following the Cardinals. 44-21 blowout lost the Chiefs in week one. And yesterday, Cards head coach Cliff Kingsbury said they need to clean up their practice habits. Treat every rep like a, like a game. I think that's the biggest deal. Intensity has to pick up across the board. Um 
yeah, I thought we had a really good practice. Then obviously Thursday had some injuries and some stuff happened. And um, just collectively, though, the little things at practice, each and every rep has to get better. And then yesterday, you guys asked Cliff Kingsbury on that intensity and why he didn't think it was there. That they knew week one was coming, but I, I think the level of play that um, the Chiefs played at was was uh, a step above probably what they anticipated. You know, I, I don't think they saw what was coming, and um, it woke us up. There's no doubt. It showed how far we have to come in a short time to get ready to compete in this league, and uh, hopefully um, we show that on Sunday. So after hearing what Cliff had to say, do you think that is correctable in time for week two against the Raiders? Oh, there's no doubt about it. It is correctable, but it makes me want to start swinging right now. How is there no sense of urgency for this game right now? Kyler Murray, after the game, was talking about kind of feeling himself, you know, the, not himself saying that just about him, general, just in general yeah. about that and how you can't do it. And, you know, I mean, I why is that pervasive in this locker room? Yeah, lock in. I think, I think it was good for us to, for, for this to happen to us. Um, you know, I, I don't know why or whoever felt good about, you know, um, you know, you can't feel yourself in this league. You get, you get embarrassed. And that's, um, that's kind of, like I said, what kind of what happened today. Um, good team over there. Um, they executed. You could tell. You know, there's there's complete difference. Energy was higher, um, and they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. So that's what's going to happen when you do those things. It just makes me want to start swinging because once again, man, this is week one in the National Football League. You're playing at home where you know you were not good last year. Now here's the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, man, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the best teams in the National Football League, and they're coming into your barn. What are you going to do about it? It's a catch-22, right? Because if it's fixable, then that, like you said, is frustrating that it's even an issue in Week 1. I think we're going to see a different Cardinals team in Week 2. I don't know if that means it's enough to beat the Raiders. If we don't see a different Cardinals team in Week 2, then we got problems. Like, full-season problems. Like panic button, pressing it yes, nonstop. Like we need one in the studio for me to press. The Seahawks survived Russell Wilson's return as they got the 17-16 win over the Broncos. But it was the end of the game that's getting the attention. So with the Broncos facing fourth and five in Seahawks territory with a minute remaining and all their timeouts, Coach Hackett opted to let the clock run down to 20 seconds before sending out Brandon McManus to try the low percentage kick. When you're on the road, given the circumstances of that game, the 12th man in Seattle, the issues that Pete Carroll has had with Russell Wilson, give your quarterback the damn ball. Same way we saw Brian Dable give the ball to Saquon Barkley, go for it. Allow your quarterback to then walk into the locker room after you win that damn game, and his teammates look at him and be like, that's the difference this year. We got that dude on our team this year. We're going for it this year. Now, I'm not saying if I was in that position and I had Daniel Jones, I'd want to give him the ball. But there are certain quarterbacks in this league where you should feel confident giving them the ball and letting them win the game. What would you guys have done? Yeah, I don't, why did you get Russell Wilson if you're going to you're gonna run down the clock there and take the ball out of his hands? It is what happened to let Russ cook, Wolf. It's not let Russ kick. It's let Russ cook. <laughs> I don't understand why you bring him in and then in that situation. That was like, good. Eh, we're just going to kick him. The, one of the longest field goals in NFL history. Um, can I just say if 
Why was Russell Wilson not fighting Nathaniel Hackett? Probably in shock. On the sideline. Why was he not throwing straight right hands at him at that point in time? I don't question a lot of these smart guys' decisions, these football coaches, where this is all they do. They sit around and they prepare for situations just like this. Yet I'm wondering how Russell Wilson doesn't brawl him on the sideline. Yeah, look, I don't doubt that Nathaniel Hackett has every opportunity to become a really good coach in this league. He knows a lot more about football than than I will ever know. But, man, did he botch the end of that game. There's no way around it. And if he goes on to have a successful career, it's easy to look and say, okay, look, it's the first first game of his career. It was in Seattle. There was a lot going on last night beyond just a Monday night football game. But wow. Did he Fight him, Ross. That, Fight the him. ending to that the wrong way. That was Wolfen Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron. Join Four Peaks this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long this Sunday at Phillies off Warner Road and the I-10. When we come back, when should the Cardinals move on from their Week 1 loss? We're going to ask former Cardinals quarterback Drew Stanton. He joins us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Hi, welcome back to the show. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is former Arizona Cardinals quarterback Drew Stanton. Wolf, you can also hear him. I know you're a big podcast guy. You got a new podcast with AQ Shipley, the bobbled exchange with AQ and Drew. Boy, that is going to be a good one right there, too. AQ and Drew. Uh, like it. I have to tune into this one. Uh, Drew, thanks for the time today, man. How's it going? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you guys? Doing good. Uh, we're trying to figure out, at least I'm trying to figure out, at what point this week can I put that game from Sunday behind me? Like, as a player, when are you? When when is that turning point in the week? we got to be getting pretty close, right? It should be there by now, hopefully. Tuesday afternoon, you've moved on to somebody else. You've gotten, you know, the opportunity to digest what happened, the good, the bad, the really ugly that all occurred, um, and chalk it up for what it was. I think you give credit where credit's due. And then you look internally and say, okay, what can I do better? What can we do better as a unit? And, you know, there was opportunities to tilt the scale in your favor, and they just never were able to do that to turn the tides. When you're playing against a really good football team, sometimes that's just going to happen. So when you watch the tape, Drew, and I know that you have, what were your thoughts? What was the first thought you had in regard to the offense for the Arizona Cardinals? Well, I don't think the offense played bad. It wasn't like they went out there and turned the ball over and lost the game or anything. The thing that was most disheartening for me was the lack of like effort, the lack of want to. I mean, they literally looked like they just walked on the field and the miscommunication, the operation, it just wasn't crisp. It wasn't NFL caliber of what you need. And wipe everything out about you know the comparisons of preseason and all of those things, right? You still have a job to do. There is a sense of urgency when you step foot on the field, and it's week one, and I can only imagine how hopped up you were last week, Wolf, and how excited you were to go play. So next time they need to have you do a pregame speech because those guys just looked like it was like they were just out there. And when they decided to wake up and play, it was already too late. Drew, if it's not a preseason thing, and you know Cliff and most of the guys around the team have already said, yeah, it wasn't preseason, it wasn't the injuries. If it wasn't those things, then <laughs> how am I supposed to be optimistic that's going to just suddenly change against a desperate Raiders team on, on this Sunday? 
Well, I, I think that if it doesn't, then you start sending messages of guys aren't playing. And look, there's certain guys, J.J. Watt, who's an emotional leader who plays with a lot of passion. He wasn't out there. Marcus Golden is trying to get up to speed. He plays with a lot of passion. Dennis Gardak, passionate player. It will find a way to fix itself. Or the leaders in that locker room need to make a concerted effort of saying, look at, you know, look at the man next to you. You have to be able to rely and trust on that man to be able to go out and do their job. Because as we saw, it takes one person not doing their job and a drop coverage or a missed gap or a missed assignment. And Cliff alluded to it about the practice week, right? Like we heard about it in, in the end of last year of how practice just wasn't the way that it needs to be to be a playoff caliber team to be a Super Bowl contending type of team you can't let things get lost in translation it's not okay anymore you've been in this offense for too long yes Hollywood Brown is a new addition but James Conner's been here AJ Green's been here you know you've had an entire offseason do all this stuff and week one you identify who you think you're going to be. After week one, you identify who you need to be, and you move forward as an offense and say, okay, this is the direction we want to head. We need to find ways to get the ball in more people's hands. But again, they were also a little bit handcuffed from the standpoint Zach Ertz was on a pitch count. Rondell Moore, who was probably involved in the game plan, was unavailable. That's why Greg Dortch saw so many targets. And you move guys around, you try and do all these things. But as you said, too, it does not get any easier this week with Devontae Adams, who's just playing as good as anybody in this league at that position. You know, it was interesting because watching the game live against the Chiefs, of course, when they were able to run the ball, I was really concerned, Drew, because when they're able to run the ball, now all of a sudden their whole playbook was going to be opened up to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and that certainly did transpire. And then the Cardinals struggled to actually get any type of real rushing attack going as well. And it seemed like Kyler, especially in that first half, was under duress a lot in that first half. Um, I thought a breakdown was on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that that's where football games are won and lost, right? Establishing the line of scrimmage. Sometimes they're stalemates. and, And that used to be the first thing we would talk about when I was with the Arizona Cardinals, did you out-physically your opponent? And that all starts up front. If you're able to do that, and maybe it is a stalemate, maybe it's one side of the ball you win, maybe it's one side of the ball you lose, they lost that battle on both sides of the football, and that's disheartening. That can't happen week in and week out, or else you're not going to be successful. Now you look ahead to this week, the Raiders have a lot of injuries on their offensive line. They're they're rotating guys around. They're trying to get things figured out over there. And again, it's been such a point of emphasis. We will see a different Cardinals team that shows up Sunday playing with a sense of urgency because you have to in this league. You have to be able to be aggressive. The teams that won week one went out and they were the aggressors. That was not the case so much. Uh, but I was also happy to see Cliff stick with the run game. You know, when it was 20 to 7 and they were driving and he was getting James Conner involved, yes, he had 10 carries for, you know, a lower number of yardage, odd yards. But at the same time, he didn't abandon it right away. Eventually, those start to pop. Those will be able to do that. They just couldn't, you know, be unable to convert on fourth down. And that took the wins out of their sales. But again, we know that being around Cliff, that's his MO. He's trying to score touchdowns. He's not settling for field goals. My philosophy has always been I'm trying to get as many points as I can in the first half and then go see what I need to. But I'm a product of Bruce Arians. I'm a product of putting points on the board. He's a product of saying, I want to score touchdowns. I know I've got to try and outscore Patrick Mahomes. I've got to do these things. So you can respect him. At least you know that he's always going to push the envelope offensively. 
Talking to Drew Stanton. Drew, the other part of the equation on Sunday, obviously, is the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a pretty good team. And I'm not saying this to absolve whatever the Cardinals' effort was on Sunday, because it, it obviously wasn't very good. But how much of that game do you think was they were just overmatched and it snowballed? And the only reason I ask that is because you know a lot of fans feel that that almost felt like two or three losses, not just one. So how, how good of a read do you think we're really getting on this Cardinals team from that one game against a very good opponent? Well, as I said in the lead-in, right, you give credit where credit's due. That Kansas City Chiefs team is playing with a chip on the shoulders. They're sick of hearing about the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. And I don't care what anybody says. Patrick Mahomes is playing at an elite level, and he is my vote for MVP. The Kansas City Chiefs are my vote for the Super Bowl right now. I mean, they have to be taken serious in the AFC and in this entire league because of who they are. They got better by getting rid of Tyreek Hill. I know that's crazy to say or even try to put into words, but as a collective whole, that team got better because you saw Patrick going through his reads and his progressions and being calm and confident in the pocket and doing all of these things. I truly believe that. So I think this is an outlier of the situation. Look, this isn't the only team that they're going to go out and throw 44 up on. They could do that on a consistent basis because that's how good the Kansas City Chiefs are. That's what the Arizona Cardinals want to become, and they can become that still, right? It's just one loss. It's not two or three losses. You take it, again, for what it's worth. You move on. Uh, but that team is going to make a deep run in the playoffs. And, again, they're trying to make as much noise because they feel like they've been disrespected so far. So were you shocked last night when Nathaniel Hackett did not allow Russell Wilson to actually try the fourth and five? Completely shocked. (laughs) I mean, why would you, like, to me, why, again, a first-year head coach, different situation, all of the, whatever ties into it, with all of the magic and, and all of the heartache that that man has caused this fan base here in Arizona, when they decided to walk him out on the field and kick a field goal for 64 yards as opposed to saying fourth and five for Russell Wilson, uh, I'm shocked, especially he's making $250 million or whatever his contract is. All of the signs point to Russell Wilson. All of the signs point to putting the ball in his hands to go out there and win a football game. And again, the teams that did that, the teams that were aggressive, the New York Giants that went for it on fourth down, or you know, to try and get a two-point conversion to go win the game. The Miami Dolphins who went for it on fourth and seven. Those are the teams that are sitting at home saying right now they're 1-0. And the teams that didn't, that sat back and played it safe and did all of these things, they're 0-1 right now. Yeah, it's a great point, Drew. Thank Good you for stuff, the time Drew. again. My pleasure. Always fun coming on with you guys. Yeah, thank you, buddy. It's Drew Stanton joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. And, Wolf, I know you want to talk about the Seahawks-Broncos game, so how about we do that when we come back following that chaos that made up Monday Night Football last night. Is the NFC West a little more wide open than we're used to? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf, sometimes you know you have a new job and you go in there and it's the first day of work. Finish the day and you're just like, wow, that that didn't go so well. <laughs> I'm just gonna kind of go home and just let's just uh, let's let's reset and go ahead and get ready for day two. I don't know what you're talking you know, I was about. Gonna Luke. Say you just went right to the NFL and did NFL things, <laughs> but um, 
Let's just say for everybody else out there. You know I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, I feel like, knows exactly what I'm talking about because, you know, we saw some first-year head coaches win over the weekend in week one. But uh, Nathaniel Hackett had at least three opportunities I can think of off the top of my head to put the Seahawks to put the Seahawks away last night, and, yeah. uh, and and never once did they come through with it. Everybody knows your stance on having a quarterback under center a little bit more. My stance <laughs> specifically on that, from before I ever did the show with you, was I hate, despise, <laughs> when you get to the goal line, and especially last night was the extreme of it. All right, fourth and inches here. What are we going to do? Okay, well, let's start seven yards back. Let's fourth and inches. Let's you hand off be seven yards me. behind the line of scrimmage, and they did it. Wolf two consecutive drives in the second half. The Broncos moved right down the field, yeah. got to the goal line, and one of them was fourth down, one of them was third down. Both times they fumbled. <laughs> you hit two shots on the second time down inside the five yard line. You're inside the one yard line. You're on the half yard line, and you don't put Russell Wilson under center to threaten the defense immediately, right in the a gaps. Right now, I, I was I was blown away by that. Absolutely blown. As a matter of fact, at that point, I stood up in the Wolfley compound and I said, "Hey, Hackett, you deserve to lose this game. Oh, he did. You deserve to lose it." And that's not, what we're talking about is not even what everybody else is talking about for why he deserved to lose the game. The Seahawks. It was an impressive effort. To to do what they did, I mean Denver's a pretty talented team. It was yes. an impressive effort. Yes, oh, uh, you, this is a huge win for them to start their season. It is, but man, Denver moved the ball all over them in the second half, and four hundred thirty three yards of total offense for and, the Broncos, and nothing to show on those first two drives when they got down to the goal line, and then nothing to show for it on the last drive. Which this is why you have Russell Wilson on your team because of what he's able to do at the end of a game. And what he was able to do, what they, what the Broncos allowed him to do at the end of the game last night was um, get around midfield and then just watch. Watch our kicker try a 64-yarder. Yeah, you know, again, Nathaniel Hackett made a bad decision, in my opinion. Um, but it wasn't the worst decision. <laughs> the the I guess he could have punted. The goal-line offense was the worst decision right there. Even if they make the field goal and win the game, I have a hard time believing a 64-yard field goal, which is made 4.8% of the time, was a better decision than banking on the guy you just handed $245 million to. I just, that I was absolutely stunned. That you went out and got him for was that exact situation. If If somebody had gone to Denver and said, look, you're going to sign this guy, and how about this? Week one, you're going to play Seattle, and it's going to be in his hands at the end of the game. Yes. Would their response have been, yeah, let's give him the quarter of the billion, but I really would like to see our kicker kick at the end of this game. Especially a 64-yard field goal, the second longest field goal in the history of the NFL. And by the way, you're not in Mile High Stadium, so you don't get the benefits of the the, the high altitude if you're not actually there. I was dumbfounded. What are you doing? And apparently I was not alone. There were a lot of people out there that were dumbfounded. Um, I don't know how Russell Wilson didn't brawl Nathaniel Hackett right there on the sideline. You, you, you brought me in for this specific situation. Okay, yeah, we're kicking a field goal, but let's try to improve the odds of making that field goal. 
Um, our kicker is one for eight now in kicks over 60 yards. He's got a strong leg. There's no doubt about it, but he's one for eight he in kicks over 60. I, when, when they <laughs> iced him, I would have been like, you know what? Actually, let's get Russ back out. There. Oh, my goodness. I, I was shocked Russell Wilson was not delivering straight right hands on the sideline to hack it. I almost wonder if... If you would have been able to get him off the field, if it were a normal sequence of events, but remember they ran the clock down and then called timeout, and I wonder if Russ was like, "Okay, this is a weird way to waste the time that we need," but okay, I'll go back out there after this timeout, and all of a sudden the kicker's running out there on the field. It would be like, it would be like going out Wolf and spending all your money in the offseason on a closer. And then you get to the ninth inning of a big game, and you're like, we actually just want to see how this pitching machine works. And you go out there and put that on the mound instead. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's making me think of the guys inside that locker room right now. Yeah, Russell Wilson, how are you not fighting your coach on the sideline? Or at least uh, throwing the arms up, doing something, going, give me the chance. This is why you brought brought me in. But what about his teammates as well? They say, hey, coach, you know, I... Look at, uh, you know, I, I know we got a guy with a strong leg. I, I know that we do, but man, isn't it better? Don't we have a better shot with Russell Wilson, the guy we just handed $245 million, uh, $165 million guaranteed over the next five years? Wouldn't it be better for us to give the ball to him and see if he can't get us five yards? Now, I know Seattle's defense was playing really, really tough at that point in time. They were contesting everything. Exactly. They were contesting everything. But Denver was moving the ball to the tune of 433 yards. I absolutely was stunned. I don't know if I've ever seen a better example of a very, very smart human being in Nathaniel Hackett who analytically looked at it and did a dumb thing. I think he just froze up, honestly. I, I think, you know, you're, it's your first game as an NFL head coach. You're in Seattle. It's Monday night football. It's a game you probably should have already won, honestly. It shouldn't have even gotten to that point. And maybe, I, I, I don't think you're thinking back to those those goal line plays, but I think he just kind of froze and was like, if we just hit the field goal, we can, we can get the win and get out of here. And it's like, yeah, but... <laughs> I don't even know why you ran the clock down and, and burned a timeout. Like, none of it made sense. Wolf, this is Russell Wilson after the game. I believe in Coach Hack. I believe in what we're doing, um, you know, and believe in everything. And, uh, you know, I, anytime you can try to find a way to make a play on fourth and five, that, that's great too. But also, we, I think we, I don't think it was the wrong decision. You know, I think he can make it. Obviously, we, in hindsight, you know, we didn't make it. But uh, if we were in that situation again, I wouldn't doubt whatever he decided. That's Russ. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to oh, question his coach. Maybe man. Sierra will write a song called Fourth and Five, and, yeah. and that'll tell us how he really feels. I mean, once again, even if you make it and win the game, you feel good about like, yourself? Really, I, you know, all the teammates are like, isn't this why we got this guy? Yeah. So we can actually go for it on a fourth and five? So we don't have a 4.8% chance of actually winning the game? Doesn't feel like the most uh, sustainable model. Right? I, honestly, I mean, 4.8 kicks of 64 yards or more. 4.8% chance of winning the game right there. That's just math. That's that's cold, hard fact. Honestly, a higher number than I expect. Because <laughs> you don't see a lot of 64-yard well, field goals. Exactly, made. and that's the reason why it's that high. Because I'm sure there were a couple of guys actually making it. I mean, Justin Tucker hit one against Detroit last year, but they didn't have any time. They it didn't just... sit there and run out 45 seconds before they kicked it. All right, we come back.
back, we'll get back to the Cardinals. Was it just one game, or is there potentially a bigger problem the Cardinals are going to have to address? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is James Conner, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The challenges that he went through in college and coming into the league, man, he has, like, unstoppable heart. Gives to Conner up the middle. He's got a crease at the 35 of the 40. Stiff arms, breaks a tackle at the 50. Near side, 45-40. Shoves the defender to the ground. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I bring to the table. I'm going to get to another pro, but I'm going to continue to score touchdowns. I'm going to do all of that and bring this mindset to a team. The mentality to me is kind of what sets him apart. I start waking them boys up. Do you do what you do? Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now. All right, it is the Wolf and Luke show here on this Tuesday now afternoon. And uh, Wolf, couple couple stories coming out of that Cardinals loss to the Chiefs on Sunday based on some of the comments from Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray after the game about practice and just not having the sense of urgency. That that There's two different things there, right? There is the, okay, is something wrong at practice? Are we not getting enough out of practice? And then there's the, okay, why was there not the sense of urgency you're looking for opening the season at home where you struggled last year, even when you were good, you struggled at home, against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now, this is Cliff Kingsbury on with us yesterday talking about if his team was ready. That they knew week one was coming, but I, I think the level of play that um, the Chiefs played at was was uh, a step above probably what they anticipated. You know, I don't think they saw what was coming, and um, it woke us up, there's no doubt. It showed how far we have to come in a short time to get ready to compete in this league, and uh, hopefully um, we show that on Sunday. Now I hope that's the case. Like, now I hope it was a lack of sense of urgency. Yeah. Because that is something tangible you can you can fix. I can't believe that that would be the case, though, going up against any NFL team, let alone one with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, um, I don't know what to think about that, Luke. I just know right now this is the reason why coaches yell from time to time. <laughs> this is why they yell. Because suddenly there you are in week one of the National Football League. You're at home where you haven't really played well. You're coming off the end of last season where you played horrifically. You got to the playoffs, I know that. But, man, over the last third of the season, you were declivative on your your win path. And not only that, we all know how the Rams playoff game actually ended. And look, everybody, it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And it's the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the best teams in the league. Does this not get your attention? It, does this not get your sense of urgency? And if it doesn't, what are you doing inside in the, in that the, locker room? The press box were fired up just for the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't understand that. I really don't. And it speaks to the leadership, once again, inside the locker room. Listen, uh, Bill Belichick, I say this all the time, but it's the truth. He could not motiva- uh, motivate a gnat to, f- to fly around a fruit bowl. He couldn't do it. There's no way in the world he was going to get you to do it. Was that an issue? You know what he was going to No. Okay, good. No, it was not. Not with me. Okay. It was not an issue. No, I mean with the gnat and the fruit bowl. Yeah, that right. something that just kept coming up or no? <laughs> no. But I will tell you right now, um, he brought in guys you didn't have to motivate. He knew they were going to go out there and have the sense of urgency to go out and ball. I mean, it's unthinkable to me, and that's on the shoulders of every player that stuck a mouth guard in and went out of that tunnel and played at State Farm Stadium on Sunday. 
If that is the case, and it certainly looked, especially on the line of scrimmage, like that was the case, man, I'll tell you what, that's on them, the leadership inside that locker room. Well, it's it's either that, which is incredibly frustrating, but again, also maybe more easily fixable, or they're just that outmatched. And Kansas City might win the Super Bowl. They're certainly one of the two or three best teams. I made the comment yesterday. You don't have to be as good as Kansas City to make the playoffs. Not right now. You have to get better at some point this season. But you don't have to be as good as Kansas City in week one to to make the playoffs. But if you're that outmatched talent-wise, that is a problem that, you know, on the one hand is more understandable than not having that sense of urgency. But on the other hand, is not real fixable in the middle of the season. You're not going to if you're if you're that outmatched based on talent alone, you're not going to be able to fix that. So I hope it was a lack of a sense of urgency. I really do because that's about your only path to fixing a good chunk of that. Yeah, you know, again, a physical football team for the most part doesn't have to be told to go be physical. That that has been my experience. Now, listen. I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm, I, saying, I'm, I'm telling you, though, there are exceptions to what I'm saying. There are exceptions to this. There are. Look, the San Francisco 49ers, by way of example, back when I was playing, Google it, my young crooks, with Joe Montana. All right? Um, this team would beat you by four touchdowns, and you didn't even feel like you played in a game. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. It was unbelievable. How incredibly weird it felt to go out and play a game where you just didn't feel like you were in a Donnybrook. You didn't feel like you were slugging away. There are teams that aren't physical that do win from time to time, but it is the rare exception. It is a physical football team. You've got to have the mentality to be physical. It's fun. It's the bits, the great thing about it. It's fun to actually tap into the rage tree in between those white lines and be physical. It's fun to do it. Even if you get your face blown off, it's fun to do it. Man, you need players who, who, who understand that it is fun to do it and want to tap in and go out and ball out. Uh, this note has just been passed along to me, Wolf. The Cardinals lost to San Francisco 43-17 to in 1986. Do you have any recollection of that Let's game? Let's see. That's, a, that's exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. 43 to what? 43-17. to 17. <laughs> that, that was it. My second year in the league. Look, everybody. It's Joe Montana. Still put up 17 points at least, I guess. Right. <laughs> okay. Don't. But then in 1988, November 6th. You guys won 24-23. That was at Sun Devil. I'm night. guessing you remember that one. That was at Sun Devil Stadium. It was Roy Green. And you know, it was so funny. This is the honest-to-goodness truth right here. Everyone was leaving at halftime. What was the score of that, Mel? Do you have that number there? Do you have that box? 24-23? That one? No, no, no. The the score at halftime of that game we, we, we were playing. Um, you should ask her to find the halftime score of a game from 1980. Yeah, you know, honestly, I mean, though, she it was 16 to 0. Yeah. Meaning what? The 40, 49ers were up 16 nothing. 49ers, and people were leaving. How about this for a memory? Are you kidding me? Don't talk to me about wedge busting. You scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Ex- Mel, this is what I'm talking about. People were leaving at halftime because we we're down 16 nothing. And I remember just being, you know, just, just being the. 
nut job that I was, leaning out over the fence, yelling at him, you're going to regret it, just screaming, like, <laughs> I, because I had Your 18 cups of coffee, <laughs> uh, yelling at him, you weren't you're, you're going to regret it, you're going to miss it, and doggone it, if we didn't come back and win that game, Roy Green, Neil Lomax to Roy Green in the back of the end zone on a slot fade. No 64-yard field goal attempts in that one? No. No. Um, look, you can go. I'm looking at last week's week one, okay? There were teams that started last year that had a miserable game that had ended up having a great season. Tennessee against the Cardinals. Tennessee did not look good in that game. They lost 38-13 to and then finished as number one seed uh, in the AFC. Buffalo lost to Pittsburgh in week one. It was a close game. Green Bay was famously miserable against the Saints last year, 38-3 to in week one, remember? And then they, oh, they went, yeah. I'm not How'd saying they do this year. Same thing. Exactly. <laughs> just go ahead and just assume Packers. the Packers aren't going to do anything in week one. But I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to do that. I'm saying that the season isn't over because you lost one game. Now, we may have seen problems in that game that aren't going to go away, and then they are screwed. But if you're the if you're the Cardinals right now, you've got to be looking at this and saying it's a seventeen week season. Two of the other teams in our our four team division also lost pretty bad games. You need to be able to turn it around quickly. Yes. You need to, and you can't even be looking ahead to week three against the Rams. I can't, no way. I can't remember the last time I, lo- I looked forward to a game so little, Wolf. <laughs> Cardinals Rams, I have no interest in that game. But Cardinals Raiders this week, I mean, you have to find a way to turn it around because otherwise it's going to snowball and you're going to get into a lot of trouble. Turn around your mentality, tap into the physicality. It is the essence of the game. If the 1988 Cardinals could come back from down 16 nothing at halftime to Joe Montana and the 49ers, anything's possible. They won the Super Bowl that year, too. They won the Super Bowl every year, didn't yeah, they? Wow. Well, right. seen that one. When we come back, Robert Sarver has been suspended for one year, fined $10 million. Is that going to be the end of the story? We'll get into the developments around the Phoenix Suns today. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.